The intensity of focus on pharmaceutical companies has never been greater. The big pharma environment is evolving into a matrix of relationships across the value chain, where an incredible amount of shared data is underpinning research, development, manufacturing, marketing, and distribution. To deliver lucrative potential outcomes, each part of the value chain must maximize every opportunity and deliver without compromise. Millions are being spent to yield billions worth of reward, and the pressure to deliver is growing. That incredible pressure is building on each link of the value chain. And as a result, security has never been more important. However, is this key component in assuring that each link in the value chain delivers really being taken as seriously as it should? Join me, Joe Robertson, as I explore how security is not only important to the success of the pharma value chain, but also how it can actually become a key enabler. Because it's thought of as an IT problem, a tech problem. It's not thought of as a business level problem. I think security and control of information in a pharmaceutical business where the intellectual property, the manufacturing know-how, the pre-patent IP, the portfolio is fundamentally critical to their success. You know, harnessing that information, securing that information from inappropriate access and use is absolutely critical to their survival and success. What you need is a consistent security policy throughout all your value chain. We're in the third decade of the 21st century. Alan Turing, one of the fathers of computer science, pointed us in the direction of a digital future well over half a century ago. The first computer was capable of processing over 92,000 instructions per second. Now that number is upward of 100 billion instructions per second. So, knowing all of that, where is pharma in terms of understanding the digital security of their value chain? A lot of organizations aren't measuring their cybersecurity risk yet. They're that voice not. there was a guy named Troy. Troy Amit. I'm a field chief information security officer over healthcare at Fortinet. You'll hear more from him throughout the podcast. Yet. They're just not at that cybersecurity maturity, but then some are, and I'm interested in how they're measuring it, how they're stacking it up, if they're if they're measuring against other organizational risk. I think that's another area that, that organizations are maturing more and more. So some are considering it more than others, but when did pharma really begin to think about it more seriously? Looking at my past uh, experience in banking and in pharmaceuticals. This is Chris. You heard a few words from him earlier. Christopher Callahan, uh, Chief Information Security Officer of Weicker Companies. He worked in big pharma for decades. You know, banking from day one has always been, had a focus on security. Where pharma, at least in, in my experience, I saw the changes happen uh, probably in the early 2000s, where we put a focus on the formation of departments to deal with information cybersecurity. And then over that time, best practices for system hardening, um, awareness for uh, the security settings, uh, creation of policies, uh, doing all those information security uh, processes like business impact assessments, risk assessments, pen testing, uh, really vamped up uh, in the last 10 years. 
So if pharma recognized the importance of securing the value chain all that time ago, what about the development process itself? So one, one thing about the value chain in, in the past too, it, it, it wasn't from you know, cradle to grave as far as um, you know, the processes that existed. You would have your research hand over to development. It all sounds kind of disjointed to me. It doesn't feel like there's been a holistic approach to either the move towards a digital transformation or cybersecurity. So when we talk about specifically the manufacturing side of it, you know, the OT side of the pharmaceutical value chain or, you know, process that has been really lagging. Right. So it has not been an area when we when we talk about risk within operational technology and manufacturing within the pharmaceutical industry, we're, we're actually most of the time talking about how far behind they are and how at risk those connected operational technology environments are because of how old they are, you know, more at risk from a from a vulnerability management perspective. So to date, uh, we, we see the, you know, slow evolution, slow digitalization of, of those environments. It's now a strategic direction from the initiation from that research through the market where, you know, they've been involved in the processes from the beginning. And that makes a whole difference. Where in the past, that wasn't necessarily the case. I mean, you, you had silos, maybe not as much as you would think. I'm trying to build a picture here about Big Pharma's approach to cybersecurity, and it feels like it's patchy at best. What kind of work are they putting at risk? How much work are they putting at risk? Those are five to seven years of work. And can you imagine five to seven years of work just going... In some scenarios, not all the way a, a total loss, but a significant loss, um, you know, from a competitive perspective would be would be disastrous for an organization like that. The consequences, it goes beyond what we see in other industries in financial services or, or in retail of just data loss. It's time for you to meet Jessica. So my name is Jessica Ricci and I'm a vertical marketing manager at Fortinet. She's been researching the challenges in the pharmaceutical sector. Imagine a scientist has been working on or a company has been working on for years on finding the treatment for a specific type of cancer and that, you know, this data gets compromised. I'm not talking about lost, compromised. They're going to have to throw all that research away, all that work, all that time. It's, it's incredible, you know, the impact, the risk that they're taking. I mean, they are guardians and custodians of such precious or priceless and unique data that... They need to do everything that they can in their power to, to protect it. We're covering a lot of ground here, and the picture in my head is still a little disjointed. Let's just begin to think through how the value chain intersects with the technology and digital transformation roadmap. You know, the value chain... Is, is, is interesting. Here's know, one more jazz. person you'll hear a lot in this story. Meet Simon. My name's Simon Roach. Um, I consult on information technology issues and, and solutions in sort of pharmaceuticals and life sciences uh, industry in particular. This is really good. You might want to take notes. Uh, it sort of runs horizontally across an organization. So organizations are typically designed by hierarchy. So there's a kind of vertical structure to them. So if you think about research and development and manufacturing and distribution, 
and sales, etc. There's kind of vertical, not silos, but there's ver- vertical components to the way in which we organize people and resources and investment and what have you. And of course, the value chain runs perpendicular to that. So it runs you know, through research, through development, through manufacturing, through distribution, through sales. And so there's not many parts of a pharmaceutical company that run horizontally like that, that sort of, you know, resonate or affinitize with that horizontal view of the world. Quite often information technology could be one, compliance and you know, regulatory organizations could be one, finance could be one, but there's not many of them. And really what you need to do in order to make sure that you address the potential issues in the value chain is to think horizontally. Okay, I get it. But what does that really mean? So that means you need to have a technology roadmap that's horizontal. You need to have an investment argument that's horizontal. And you need to make sure that you pay particular attention to the interface points because it's the interfaces between organizations along the you know horizontal value chain that tend to throw up the biggest challenges and the biggest opportunities for risk um, and so that means sort of you know getting your thinking presented to you know the senior executive team or the board in quite a different way from the way that is normally thought of. And I think it's really important when you're thinking about the value chain and securing the value chain that you recognise that it's it's not a, a sort of a business as usual approach that needs to be taken, but you almost need to set it up as an initiative that has beginning, middle and end. Aha. So in today's matrixed world, those interfaces between organisations are in some ways the weakest links in the value chain. So we have to make a special project of protecting our new way of working day to day. That makes sense, but projects tend to have milestones, goals, and finishing lines. Will this approach actually reduce risk? It will achieve some level of risk reduction across that value chain. But you know that when that initiative is finished, there's probably another initiative fast on its tails. Because as I suggested, I don't think the risk profile will reduce to zero. I think you will continue to have risk based on the continued collaborations. So with the evolving environments across the value chain, whether they be technological innovations, partnerships in various configurations, or a change in circumstances, like maybe all your employees working from home, big pharma companies need to think about security as an ongoing process. But I think what I'm what I'm suggesting is that that investment needs to be a series of investments over time, but they need to be presented as a kind of view of securing the horizontal value chain as opposed to the vertical components of an organisation. I can see how that works, and it makes sense. But while Big Pharma has been developing their approach to protecting the value chain did something accelerate their thinking? Uh, I think in general, the, the you know, what happened with Merck um, kind of woke up a lot of companies. In case you don't know, Merck was hit with a huge ransomware attack in 2017. Not many parts of the business were unaffected. It was seismic, shockwaves across the industry. Close to a billion dollars it cost uh, that company. That kind of thing. Anyway, I think that's been the big 
aha moment for organizations is is they've always been very scared about cyber because they've maybe seen a competitor of theirs have a uh, a manufacturing uh, hiccup, um, maybe weeks of, of downtime, and they we don't want that to be us. And you know, so I think the way you get there is that you get you become very aware of what your risks are and then measuring them and investing in mitigating those risks. So Big Pharma smelled the coffee, but the value chains in these organizations are huge. What do you focus on? Troy has been on the ground with Big Pharma over the last year or so. So within the pandemic, everything's been moving really fast, right? So when I think about coming from the provider space and and what was happening, you know, early on, we had to very quickly really uh, protect against supply chain attacks from a provider perspective. You know, there was a lot of uh, shortages of PPE, whether that was, you know, things like gloves and masks and that type of thing, but then also a ventilator perspective. So, so as we look at the whole pandemic and how providers and pharmaceutical organizations have been affected, some of it wasn't really, you know, easy to predict, right? Because, you know, one example was providers needed to, you know, provide rich data to the governments about where they were at from a um, testing perspective, that type of thing. Well, after all, predictions are always easy in hindsight, aren't they? What the, what we didn't predict is that bad actors would see value in that data and try to inject themselves into the process of stealing that data. And then again, as this process has moved really quickly and the vaccines have become approved and that type of thing, we didn't know when during the pharmaceutical process that they would attack and at what portions. And now it didn't really happen during the, the clinical trial portion, but very quickly once the drugs were being manufactured, then that became a, a, a definite target. You kind of get the sense that there's vultures out there just looking for any weakness to exploit, circling, circling, watching for cultural shifts, new technologies, or maybe a pandemic? Even so, it's a big ask to consider reducing risk across every touchpoint in the value chain. Sure, it makes sense, but it is another cost to consider. If I don't invest in security, or if I don't invest in the right security, I'm going to lose two things, or two things are gonna happen. When I get attacked, that attack is going to have a cost. So there's the cost of that attack. Okay, which most people understand that, right? They understand the loss. They understand security in terms of loss, of cost. But security can also be looked at what is the value that it can bring to a business? Because when you invest in security, the value that it can bring is that it's sort of the secondary benefits of you've avoided that attack or you've, you know, you've protected that technology, you've protected that data. Yes, but we're talking human beings running the show here. They're going to be thinking about their careers. They want to look good. Won't top of mind for them be how that investment will affect them? If you look at, you know, an organization and the, the folks around the boardroom, you know, there, there's going to be a subset of that boardroom that's that's really interested in research and the research data that they have. There's going to be a portion of that that boardroom, the CFO. He's going to be really focused around, you know, what is providing uh, revenue today and what could provide revenue tomorrow, right? So there's definitely silos of what's important to me, what's important to my division. But having that holistic visibility into the data, data classification, data value is important. Aha! Light bulb moment. Is there a sound effect for that? Um, well, maybe not. 
anyway, holistic, holistic. We always need to be thinking about the entire system from every angle. It's not just about protection. It's about enablement, too. Risk has those two components. There's the components of loss, and there's the components of the added value that that investment in security has brought. With, and that ad, added value is more customers. You know, make, you're, you're making that technology work for you the way it should work for you. The value that Big Pharma can bring to their customers is real. And it's big because those customers are patients. They're you and me and everyone. And the value is better health and longer life. Not a bad deal. In fact, that was the subject of the first podcast in this series. But that value depends on getting their risk-reducing and cybersecurity strategies right. If there's a tangible value for the patient as an outcome of the reduction of risk equation, how do you put a value to, say, the data that you're protecting? It's hard, right? It's really easy to value an asset, right? It's easy to value a large, let's let's call it a production facility, right? It costs us $100 million to build this production facility. It costs us $20 million to operate it each year. Data's hard. Data's invisible in some scenarios. It's, it's not tangible in some scenarios. And it's hard to know how much is my data worth. In, in a lot of scenarios, when we look at like ransomware attacks, it becomes very obvious what data was really important and could be really important to an organization, right? But it's it's hard work. It's it's hard to assess it. And then it's hard to sit around a boardroom table and say, yeah, that, that, that data is worth $40 million. Another part of the equation is that shifting context, the evolving environment and the ever-changing world, no better exemplified than by the pandemic. Big Pharma reacted scientifically, of course, to find a way to stop the virus. But each company also had to react to the impact of the pandemic just like any other business. Now that the initial panicked rush of lockdowns and work from home is over, it's time to assess where we go from here. What questions must they ask themselves? I think the question they need to ask themselves today is, this is something that we, we're going to have to deal with this in, you know, look future forward on a long-term basis. So while today maybe the measures we've put in place are good on a temporary basis, are we doing enough if as a long-term vision? Because, you know, we're going to have, we're probably going to see, you know, this work from home is going to be probably the new normal for the future. So have we taken the right precautions with, with respect to data access? It's about having that perfect balance between being proactive and reactive, right? We saw a lot of organizations that kind of had to use what they had in place, but we did see a lot of organizations that were much more proactive around that scenario as well. But yeah, I would agree that most organizations really just enabled their employees with what they had, ran that for a certain amount of time while they were assessing the situation, but brought on a lot of risk to the organization because of maybe some some failures or gaps in security and visibility and protection. And then now we're seeing a lot of organizations that are have assessed that scenario and are saying, okay, this is kind of some of our new normal. Maybe we were at 10% of work from home before. We think for the long term, we're gonna be at 40 to 60%. So this is what we need to have in place. So looking inward, we understand how valuable our data is, how flexible we need to be for the right users to access that data, and that we've got to be prepared for any bumps in the road. But the equation also includes looking outward, 
towards the development of the pharma industry itself. If you, if you look back in history about how pharmaceuticals used to operate, um, there wasn't so much collaboration that went on. There wasn't so much sharing. And they could almost sort of build a fortress of security around their organizations, around um, research and development. Now, because you've got a lot of collaboration that's necessary, and it's with different types of organization that have different skills and different capabilities and different expertise in terms of security, then that, of course, creates quite a, a both a web of complexity, but also um, a number of potential security loopholes or limitations or opportunities to, um, you know, to bypass security. So the whole drive for collaboration and interest in collaboration, of course, yeah, has massive benefit, but it also brings with it a lot of risk. Greater cooperation and collaboration creates greater innovation, but also greater risk, risk of outside attack. Clearly, we need to look at how preventative measures can be designed proactively, right? In the past, security was, you know, at least when, when I was uh, moving up, you heard always heard yes and no. And I'm, I'm not really a yes or no guy. It's, it's well, let's talk it out. What, what, you know, what are you trying to accomplish uh, what are those risks, and you know what what can we do for compensating controls to you know not say no anyway, you know, and it's you know, and, and even when it comes to the areas where it's, it's suggested uh, no, but it, it's really about do you want to accept the risk, um, or do you want to remediate, or is it you know something that you have to revisit within design? Simon wasn't wrong when he said it was complex, however. What I'm hearing is that a holistic approach where security is integrated and automated in the value chain gives big pharma far greater visibility into what's happening to them in the present, but also prepares them for the future. This all sounds good so far, but how do you get the message to the people that matter? The people in charge, the boss, head man, top dog, the big cheese the head honcho. Who wrote this? How do you get them to understand what you're trying to do? From that leadership is understanding all of the pieces, you know, and, and it's, it's not just, um, you know, coordination with business and business processes, but understanding technology and how technology is impacted across um, the organization. That technological impact is crucial too, because technology has to be an enabler. So we don't want a sort of a, a single solution for everything. We need to invest appropriately, depending on the risk. And at the same time, you know, need to really make sure that they don't secure things in a way that means that they can't be leveraged. In other words, don't lock it down so much that it can't be used. And this is where we come back to the importance that working across the value chain holds for big pharma. Research and development, to take just one example, is the collaboration around and sharing of information. Technology and security mustn't get in the way of that. And so if you make it so difficult to access and analyze and utilize that information because of your security controls, then you've destroyed the value of that information to some extent. So you've got to get the balance right between 
you know, recognizing the, the risk of inappropriate use or inappropriate leakage of that information. So you secure it appropriately, but don't, don't sort of lock it down so that people can't really leverage it. Making both technology and cybersecurity work to enable big pharma to do bigger and better things is a powerful message. But sometimes those head honchos, they want to understand the impact of the business of an attack. What are the repercussions to our bread and butter? So there's a complex message that needs to be communicated up the value chain in a way that addresses the impact on the business from both a positive and negative perspective in terms of enablement and threat, as well as value and ultimately cost. And if you can convey that to that uh, board member and not talk IT speak and not talk with all the acronyms uh, and you can make your, your message short and sweet, uh, you'll get a lot more support in, in what you want to accomplish in what, how you're dealing with the board. Good plan. Tailor your message to your audience. Now, does that audience understand the risks? Yeah, and I, I, I think they do understand risk quite well. I mean, I mean you know, a, there will be, you know, in any sort of large publicly owned organization, there will be a sort of a risk and compliance board um, whose accountability is to make sure that the senior directors of the company, the board of directors, the senior executive team have a real appreciation for the profile of risk that exists around the organization and what's being done to sort of understand it and to address it. And I think, again, it's, it's about leveraging those existing functions and parts of the organization to make sure that the security agenda resonates with what senior execs already have an appreciation of. There are a lot of execs that have some ownership of the responsibility, so it needs to be a message that can be universally understood and actioned. Overall, you know, when a company gets attacked, it could be attacked from anywhere, right? So it's everyone's responsibility. Simon agrees. I think you've then seen more and more the CEO and the board and the senior executive team take a greater interest and accountability for security generally. If the board and CEO are taking an interest and more responsibility, who's taking the lead to make it happen to secure the value chain in Big Pharma? I think what I've seen is that security of the past definitely was fairly and squarely with the IT organization. And it was very much seen as, you know, these are the guys that sort of manage our information and data. These are the guys that need to take accountability for security for it. You know, then you had the advent of the CISO as a concept, the Chief Information Security Officer. And sometimes, you know, and in the past, they were part of the IT organization. And then more recently, they've been sort of taken out of IT. So there's a level of independence uh, where they can um, sort of take accountability for the whole information security agenda and hold IT to account um, for it, as well as other members of the business fraternity. In my experience, it's been driven by the CISO, when, especially when you look at you know, where you start with um, even uh, business impact assessments, um, business continuity, business continuity planning, where you properly map their critical operations 
to those dependencies on physical location, on IT systems, on business processes, on third parties, where any one of those components can cause a problem and, and impact their, uh, their operations. So, you know, you, you, you take that and you understand really what that, um, you know, those processes are for the business and, you know, address all of those various uh, areas that uh, make them successful and make them operate. So a CISO who oversees things, especially some of the technical aspects, doesn't someone need to drive this agenda within the business organizations? You know, what I've seen work very successfully is where it's a, a sort of a partnership. Um, so I don't think it can be, you know, the IT or the security or the compliance part of the organization um, that is spearheading it on their own um, because it's so integral to the way in which you do business that it, it needs to have some leadership from the, you know, the, the functions that operate that part of the business as well. Um, and so I, I really think it needs to be, you know, a, a sort of co-led or a joint effort, if you like, between, um, you know, the subject matter experts or the, the people that understand security and, and controls and IT um, and uh, the people that also have an accountability for all the functions within business. Of course, the real challenge comes is where you're trying to look at the value chain, which, as I said earlier, runs horizontally to those functions. Um, so then you need to have some sort of board or committee um, that will sort of oversee and guide and direct and steer um, the portfolio of investments that are necessary to, to reduce that risk. Um, so I think you need leadership from both the sort of expertise side of things and from the business ownership side of things. Um, and you need the right people at the table that can help steer across the value chain. With a CISO acting as a kind of ringmaster, you can see how this could really work. Bringing the technological and security experts as well as the business specialists together is really powerful. We've learned that security can both protect and enable the value chain, as long as it's viewed as being proactive and built into both the organization and its processes, not bolted on. As Chris says, If security is reactive and an afterthought, it's expensive. And, and, and also you'll have events that are even more expensive. If you partner and you work with the business and you have a strategic direction, security and compliance is just part of the process. Given its impact and the value it can bring to the business, the customer, the patient, and the long-term future of a big pharma corporation, well, I'll let Jessica say it. Security for me is the foundation for everything. I think an organization can be really confident that they can be uh, highly innovative, very agile, and and secure implementing you know a standardized foundational framework to protect their organization. What else have we learned today? What are the three most important areas that big pharma should focus on to enable their value chain? The first one would be network complexity. Uh, I think reducing the complexity within the network and the network security environment. And then two would be aging OT environments uh, and really converging those OT environments and IT technologies 
Uh, and then I think really addressing the expanding attack surface, you know, things like cloud mitigations and connected medical devices within clinical trials, making sure that within those projects, you really have ingrained security governance. Those OT environments Troy talks about are the operational technologies like industrial control systems that run manufacturing and production. We touched on this in our first podcast, and we'll come back to it in future episodes. Also in future episodes, find out why security has become so important to the boards of pharma companies and not just IT. And you may also want to listen to our first podcast about connected medicine and how security is helping big pharma companies deliver even better results. I'd like to thank Jessica, Simon, Chris, and Troy for their contribution to this story. My name is Joe Robertson, and this is a podcast brought to you by Fortinet. Fortinet.